Hello, I'm Sam and you are listening to the Stagey Place podcast. In this episode, I talk to performer, musician and writer Rachel Hammond about her new show on tour, Joshua and Me, which is hitting this vault season coming up very soon. We also talk about what it's like to protect and share your stories, as well as the importance of a dramaturg on a project. Rachel is so lovely. It was such a good conversation to have. So please have a listen, whatever you're doing. I hope you enjoy our little conversation. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thank you. Good, good. How's your morning been so far? Great. I woke up and um, had a coffee and And came here. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I think that was similar with mine, actually. Kind of like quickly down the coffee really quickly. So tell me a bit about you. Kind of like, who is Rachel Hammond? So I am originally from Blackpool, now live in London. Uh, I'm an actor musician primarily, but also now a writer. So Joshua and Me was my debut show as a writer and I've gone more into that direction. Beautiful. Why do you think that is? Kind of like, is it because you're interested in performing, what you're writing kind of thing? I think it's, I'm really interested in like other people's stories and trying to tell things that aren't like trying to give a voice to voices that you don't normally hear about and angles that you don't normally see perspectives of if I see something in the news or in my own life I'm like I don't think anyone knows about that that sparks me to write about it exciting so it's kind of like an exploration or kind of like discovery kind of thing yeah nice nice what's your experience of because I always find it really interesting when writers are performing their own work and kind of what the motives are whether that's because it's cheaper that way or because they feel like oh it's my story I kind of like want to keep ownership of it and quite rightly so kind of like how what's your experience of kind of like juggling the, the kind of like the different mediums it's really difficult to juggle. <laughs> um, when I was rehearsing Joshua and me, I found it really difficult to fully be the actor in the room because when you've written it, it's really hard to switch that brain off. Yeah, so for me, performing it would be when I think, well, it's my story, so it makes sense for me to perform it. But actually, I'm really excited to write things that I don't perform. Because <laughs> as an actor, one of the joys of taking someone's work is that often when you speak to the writers they're like oh gosh you took it on a whole different way that just made it make so much more sense or was so much more interesting and as a writer I'd love to see other actors do that with my work of sort of being like oh gosh wow yeah great thank you guys because I think if I've written it it's not going to change too much when I act it but if you give it to someone else I think that's really exciting yeah. but obviously factually it makes more sense if you act in it. <laughs> What's it like so when you're performing your own stuff I assume you kind of like invite a director or or kind of like an outside eye dramaturg maybe because I think sometimes that you're making yourself quite vulnerable as well because you want to retain your kind of autonomy over your story and everything like that but the reason why you're inviting someone is because you want a shared opinion. How do you kind of protect yourself but make sure that you're open and it's a nice collaborative environment? I think getting the draft to a stage that you're almost fed up of it. So I did an R&D with the script when it was still very much my baby and I thought the world of it and I thought every idea I'd ever had was incredible. And that's really difficult to then hear people say, "Mm, I don't think that works. And then a year later, fast forward a year, I was like reading draft 27 and I was like, oh, for goodness sake, like (laughs) I need someone else. I think getting it to that stage is the easiest way to protect yourself because then you're just dying for other people's opinions 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was talking to someone the other day. I can't remember what we were talking about, but he used the analogy of kind of like, oh, we were kind of talk- we were reading um, a play, and one of the stage directions was they howl or something, and he was kind of like trying to. F- we were trying to figure out what does howl mean, and he mm. was kind of like talking about it's like a blow up bed when you're putting it away and like you're just forcing that last bit of air and it just go like oh, oh, just I don't know just comes out but like he was kind of like oh that's not very clever or whatever but I just thought it's so it's like the perfect analogy to kind of like describe what it's like what the feeling of what it's like when you need another person like a director or a dramaturg like get that last bit of air out like squeeze that in so like you've rinsed all the all your creativity out of that one draft and then suddenly someone can like blow up the bed again and then you can start again and and, you know sleep on it bounce on it whatever but it's kind of a perfect analogy for that isn't it yeah definitely that's exactly what it's like yeah yeah and it's exhausting as well (laughs) blowing up a bed is exhausting (laughs) so it's right that you need someone to help you well let's talk about your show then so Joshua and me which Mm -hmm. you're kind of midway through your tour at, at the moment what what is the show? What it's what is it about? So it's about being a sibling to someone who's autistic. So focusing on being a sibling carer, so having caring responsibilities for a sibling. So you follow a young girl called Hannah from seven right through to eighteen as she grows up with her brother, and we just see what it means to be a carer as you're growing up, and we just journey with her as she begins to understand her brother more. Exciting. So that's the, not the version. <laughs> yeah. How how's the tour been going? Has it been going well? Yeah, good. I've had two months away from it, so I'm really yeah. excited and back because I was off doing a Christmas job, but yeah, it's going really really well my favorite thing is meeting because it's such a personal story like it's I say it's semi-autobiographical and I say that mainly because I've changed the names and stuff but most of it is all from my experience Mm. so meeting other people afterwards it's just so wonderful because at the end I always say you know if you've related to this in any way come chat to me and just hearing different people's experiences and right across the country is just incredible I Mm. love it What's that, what's that like for you? Kind of like, how do you respond to that? It can be intense yeah. <laughs> when you have a 70 year old crying at you or <laughs> more than anything. It's just, it's like why I write. I just love people and I love learning about people's experiences. So it's actually quite comforting to finish. I've been on stage for an hour telling my story and then it's met with other people telling their stories in the bar after. And it's a really lovely thing to think, oh, Okay, A, the aim of this show is working because it's getting people talking. And B, oh, I'm not alone. It's what it almost reassures me because that's why I wrote it. I felt alone in the experience. And then this has just shown me that's absolutely not the case. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. I love that. So do you think that's kind of your audience and kind of like people that are looking to kind of share or kind of like acknowledge this experience and kind of see themselves through your narrative as well? Is that the kind of people that you're speaking to? Yeah, so that's that's who it was written with them in mind. Yeah. And that that varies. Like I've met people that also have siblings with an additional need, but then I've also met people that have cared for a parent or someone who's caring for a husband or like it's really interesting the breadth of people that relate to that idea of having a responsibility of care in their life. But then also it has been written with enough explanation and because you're following a character learning to understand their brother it also works really well for people that just want to come and learn more about what it's like having an autistic member of the family or 
what it's like being a carer. It's sort of been written for the other, for four siblings and carers, but it, other people can get so much from it too. Beautiful. I love it. So you've got a few more shows left. So you're going to the Vaults Festival, which is really exciting. You're there on the 25th and 26th in the studio at the Vaults Festival. Yeah. But before that, you're going to Norway, aren't you? Yes. Why are you going to Norway? <laughs> so I did the show at um, Fringe Festival in Edinburgh and this um, artistic director from Norway came to see the show and then got in touch with me and said I'd love to organise a tour in Norway. He was saying something about autism awareness is becoming bigger and bigger over there and he thinks it'd be really great in his community. So I was like, yeah, great. I've always wanted to go to Norway. Yeah, fantastic. (laughs) Where in Norway is it? It's near Oslo, like east on the suburbs east of Oslo. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're doing it in English. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be really interesting because it's going to be a very stripped back. Like I can't take the sets made of Lego bricks. I can't take Lego bricks. And I'm hoping I can fit my saxophone in my suitcase. <laughs> so it's going to be a very stripped back version, which will be interesting. Yeah. Um, and obviously in English to a non-English speaking audience, but I'm just trusting the artistic director who says he thinks it'll work really well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll learn loads from it. I'm sure it'll be an amazing experience. So you play music in it as well? You play the saxophone? Yes. Yeah, I play saxophone, guitar and piano in it. So music's a really big part of it because that's how me and my brother would connect growing up, would be through music. And when I did research with other families, that tended to be a common thread that music was really important in the families. So you come back from Norway and then you do a few more shows and then you land at the vaults. What do you think? So you've never done the vaults before. No. no neither have I. I've never been, I've never done the vaults. I've never actually been to the vaults, which is really bad, only because it's been cancelled for the last few years. But what do you think is going to be like? Like, are you excited? Obviously you're excited, but like, yeah. have you got any like tips for people? Like, because inter- I think the organisation that producing before vaults is so intense and so stressful and I think that's why the brilliant thing about Vox is kind of it's a relief and kind of like a release of all that stress have you got any tips to kind of like how to produce for Vox if people are like struggling right now or wanting to do it next year Twitter (laughs) so all I'm doing is what I did for I'm taking what I learned from Fringe and I'm sort of thinking it's basically the London equivalent of the Fringe Festival so what did I do that worked for Fringe and Twitter was amazing, like just hashtag Vaults Festival, stalk everyone else who's doing a show at the Vaults and try and partner up, like do social media shout outs. I don't know how flyering works at the Vaults actually, but if that's a thing, do flyering, like sharing with other people, basically target the other artists because they're the ones that are going to want to support you so that you support them, <laughs> if we're honest. Yeah, um, yeah. And then from that, word of mouth will spread. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm so. I feel like it's kind of a massive party that I've never been to. <laughs> and like I kind of I'm kind of just I'm just watching through the window and I just like I just can't wait to like go and see what it's like I've been as a hunter I've been and watched things before and it, it is exactly like that because of the atmosphere because it's in the vaults it just feels like a huge party the bars humming and then you go watch some theatre and go back to the bar and yeah it's so exciting it's so exciting so I'll just remind everyone if they want to see the show it's called Joshua and Me by you, Rachel Hammond, at the vaults on the 25th and 26th in the studio at the vaults, directed by Lucy Jane Atkinson. How how she find the process? She's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. She's she's worked at the vaults a lot as well, so it's very nice to have 
her on the team. Yeah, she's also a dramaturg, so she was exactly what the show needed when I reached my limit of writing to be like, mainly to kill off characters. She owes me about 10 chocolate bars for all the characters <laughs> killed off. <laughs> Brilliant, that's, that's hilarious. I think, I think it's really interesting. I want to ask you about dramaturg then, because I'm a dramaturg as well, and it's really interesting to kind of like watching shows and you can kind of kind of sense when there's been a dramaturg on the crew and when there hasn't. So I think obviously it's really important to have a dramaturg because as you said, that outside eye is so useful, not always as a director, but as a dramaturg because directors are often kind of like problem solvers as well as kind of artistic visionaries. A dramaturg is kind of like, they don't have response, well, they have responsibilities to each um, the writer and the director but they're not necessarily having to follow a budget, for example, if you know what I mean. Like they're yeah. much more kind of like unlocking the creativity. How important to you is a dramaturg in, in general? Very. I, don't, I think I'll always, if uh, funding allows, I'll always work with a dramaturg. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm someone that loves to collaborate with other people anyway. They see the whole arc of the story, especially if you're writing something personal like I was. It's very difficult to see it as a story because it's just your story. So you're like, well, that's important because that did happen. But then a dramaturg is able to come with an outside eye and be like, I'm here to make a piece of theatre that works. Obviously still stay true to you, but what is needed and what's not. They just have that separation and it's very valuable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's really important. Writing, dramaturgy and directing can like influence each other all the time. And I think when you're writing, you are naturally doing dramaturgy in your head without realising it as well. And directors, as you said, as Lucy's done, is a director and dramaturg as well. But I think it's really important to realise kind of like the that a dramaturg can be a role in its own right. Everyone can do dramaturgy. But I think, as you said, if funding allows... I think to help kind of like everyone focus on what they do best, it's great to have a dramaturg as a kind of like a, a role in itself for a production. But I'm glad Lucy's obviously done a fantastic job with you as well. So I'm glad that's all gone well. So there we go, Joshua and me at the Studio Vaults, 25th and 26th of London. Before, before we finish, we have a question on the Stage You Plays podcast, which we ask everyone, and it literally can be anything. It, you don't have to give a profound answer. It doesn't have to be kind of like new or kind of like challenging or provocative, but it's literally just about you. The question is, what is your stagey place? So essentially, where do you feel most stagey? Whatever, however you define the word stagey. When I'm still in bed at 12pm after a show. Yeah, really? Post-show lions. I lie in bed and I'm like, I'm so stagey. Like everyone else got up for work and I'm just here in bed. <laughs> that's, that's my stagey place when I, I get a good it. I don't, I don't think anyone said that before, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. This is the stagey life. <laughs> the lion. Yeah, the li this is the stagey lion. I love that. I think that's hilarious. What do you think about? Do you think about like, oh, I could have done that differently or maybe I'll try that tonight. Is that kind of what goes As through? Lion bed? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I should be doing something with my day that will get me ready for tonight. Mm, uh, what could it be? Coffee. <laughs> yeah. coffee. coffee. Shall I go for a Philip and Holly and coffee. I love it. I love it. I don't think anyone said that before. Mine was like the dark corner of like Joe and the Juice in Soho. The kind of the cellar yeah. that's where I feel a bit stagey kind of like above me is like London is bustling and I and I you know I can kind of sense it but I'm just in a cellar sitting and writing in a cafe would be a close second 
I think. Yeah. I think it's when my mum came to stay with me on my last job and she was like, is this all you do in the morning? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the stagey live, mum. Stagey live. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's hilarious. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me this morning, Rachel. I hope Joshua and me goes really well and I hope your false run goes really well as well. Thank you. Absolutely. Lovely to meet you. You're welcome. Lovely to meet you, Rachel. Bye. Bye. So there we are. I hope you enjoyed that episode of The Stagey Place with me, Sam Pelt, talking to Rachel Hammond. To remind you one last time, Rachel's show will be at the Vaults Festival on the 25th and 26th of February. This year's Vaults Festival is looking more exciting than ever, so please do make sure you see at least one show at the Vaults this year and make sure that it's Rachel's. Well, that's it from me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Whatever you're doing, I hope you have a lovely rest of the day and I'll catch you very soon.